scripture reading for this Monday Thursday service is found recorded in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, called the Passover, was approaching, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve, and Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread of which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house where he enters, and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover before, with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. And from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we read verses 16 and 17. St. Paul writes, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a communion of the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a communion of the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many, are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, and all who kneel before the cross of Christ, we call them articles of faith. I've even read that some describe it as mysteries of faith. Those are the doctrines, the Bible teachings, that human reasoning cannot fathom. And if human reasoning tries to figure it out, you can guarantee it will only lead to false teaching. Articles of faith are those that we believe and accept because that's what God says in his holy word. I'll give you an example. Like, for instance, God being the triune God. How can God be three in one? Human reasoning cannot understand. It cannot figure it out. We believe it because God says it, and that's how he describes himself, and really that settles it. 
Or like, for instance, the creation of the world. We know you always have to use something to create. So how could God create something out of nothing simply by his holy word? Human reasoning cannot try to figure it out. We accept it, we believe it, because that's what God said. Or even, let's say, the dual nature of Jesus. How can he be fully God and fully man in one person? Human reasoning cannot begin to understand that. Oh, yes, we've heard over the years the mythological gods of Hercules, for instance, who's half God and half man. But Jesus was fully God and fully man. He was not a demigod. He is God. And how could God come and give his life on the cross for the sins of all? Because he was also fully man. We believe it. We accept it. Because that's what God says in his holy word. Another article of faith is also the sacraments of baptism and Lord's Supper, especially the Lord's Supper. Human reasoning cannot begin to figure it out, and many got all kinds of theories and opinions and, and guesses on how you should understand the Lord's Supper, but the honest truth is the only way to understand it is to believe it taking God at his word. It was on the night that Jesus would be betrayed when he was celebrating with his disciples for the last time, the Passover meal. And he was eager to do this because this very evening he will prepare them for his pending death, which will take place on the cross the very next day. But he was also immediately preparing them for the day that he would rise and as well as preparing them for ascension day, when after 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus would ascend back into heaven with the promise that he would return again on the last day. On this very evening, the Lord Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, and this very Lord's Supper he would use earthly elements, but it wasn't the earthly elements that gave the Lord's Supper its power and authority. It would be the word of God and the promises connected to those earthly elements. He wouldn't use all the earthly elements that would have been served at the Passover meal, just two of them. He would use the bread, which would have been unleavened bread. And he also used wine. In fact, he would actually take a cup. It was known as the cup of blessing. There were several cups that were blessed and during that Passover meal, uh, several of these cups during the meal would be passed around for people to drink and drink together as a sign of unity and fellowship. And during one of those fellowship drinks, we don't know which one, Jesus would say the words, as he also took bread and passed it out to them, he would say the words, first for the bread, this is my body, take eat. This is my body. And then he would take the cup and say, take drink. This is the new covenant in my blood. So all kinds of speculations. What did the disciples really receive? Some believe that what they received is only the body and blood of Christ because the bread and wine actually transformed into the body and blood of Christ. Yes, it looks like bread and wine, but it's really no longer bread and wine. It's only the body and blood of Christ. 
Some believe that what you receive is only bread and wine. And therefore, that bread and wine really represents the body and blood of Christ. Therefore, seeing the Lord's Supper is simply a Christian act and an act of love that God wants us to perform. There is then the Lutherans, and that would include us, that do not see that you receive simply bread and wine, nor do you receive simply body and blood. But we believe and teach that what you receive and what the disciples received is bread and wine together with the body and blood of Christ. That's the menu of the Lord's Supper. And this was all given, as Jesus said, for you, for the forgiveness of sins. So the question is, who really has the Lord's Supper? Who is understanding the Lord's Supper as God intended it to be? Because keep in mind, in order to understand the Lord's Supper, it comes with a believing heart, taking God at his word. And I am so thankful that St. Paul would share with us what Holy Communion is really about. And he does so in a, just a couple verses. The words before our text actually are the words, flee from idolatry. You see that the, the Corinthians, and especially the Christians, were very, very tempted to go back to their old gods. And, and even to eat meat that was sacrificed as an act of worship to their gods. Oftentimes looking at as the Lord God is one God among many. But the Apostle Paul makes it very clear to them, you cannot eat at the table of demons, describing those false gods as simply demons. And you cannot sit at the table of the Lord God. You cannot have more than one God, because there is only one true God. All other gods are fakes and frauds and don't exist, even though people do believe in them. And people have created them. But God is not one who's been created by man. He's the one that created man and created all of creation. So he describes the Lord's Supper. How can you partake of the Lord's Supper and still hold to these false gods, flee from those false gods, flee from idolatry, free, flee from those demons? The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a communion of the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a communion of the body of Christ? St. Paul writes to them, reminding them what you are receiving in the Lord's Supper. Notice he doesn't say that the, the bread that we break is becomes the body of Christ. Nor does he say that the cup that we bless that cup of blessing becomes the blood of Christ. And nor does he say that the cup of blessing signifies and represents the blood of Christ, nor the bread that we break signify represents the body of Christ. The, the body of Christ. He said it is. In fact, the cup and the bread, the wine and the bread, 
as he says here, is in communion with the body and blood of Christ. That literally means they're in common with each other. They're, they're, they're partaking jointly. And we call this the real presence. That really you are receiving in a very real way the, the body and blood of Christ. But you're also doing it clearly in a supernatural. It's a miracle. It's a blessing from God. We're just simply taking the at his word. So the bread remains bread, the wine remains wine, the body remains the body, and the blood remains the blood. And because we're receiving the body and blood of the Lord, we're receiving the very things that Jesus offered on the cross from the sins of the world. Receiving his body and blood means we're receiving all the blessings that come from the sacrifice he made once and for all and for the sins of the world. Like the blessing of forgiveness. And where there's forgiveness, there's a new life, a new relationship. With sins forgiven, we don't live in hopelessness that we are sinners who deserve hell, but we live as saints who have been forgiven. And it is motivated by that love that we live for the Lord. And then along with it, the hope of everlasting life. We know that he paid the price for our sins, but his resurrection was the proof that the gates of heaven are opened. And therefore we can confess with complete certainty that heaven is our home. These are the blessings that we receive in the Lord's Supper. You see, the Lord's Supper is not just man's work as an act of worship to God. It's God's work. As God blesses us, comes to us, and gives us his very body and blood together with that bread and wine, all for the forgiveness of sins. Because of this, we practice close communion. Because not only is the Lord's Supper, it, the Lord's Supper is in communion with God, but we also know that the Lord's Supper means we're in communion with each other in Christ Jesus. St. Paul also writes, because there was one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. We are all individuals, but we are united. And what unites us is the very head of the body. For without the head, we are dead and gone and lost. And the head of the body, which is his church, and the sum of all believers, that head is Jesus Christ. And what unites us is not simply that we believe something about Jesus, but taking to heart what Jesus himself said when it comes to making disciples. He told his disciples, baptize, but he also told them, teach, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. So in the Lord's Supper, we are gathering together in common faith, united in common faith 
we're making a public testimony before the world that we are one. And we are one in Jesus Christ and the teaching of his word. We do not give communion just to anyone. We always encourage people before taking of the Lord's Supper, be instructed. Know what's going on. Know and understand what's happening so that you don't come up and take the Lord's Supper thoughtlessly. But you do so understanding and knowing what you're really, really receiving, but also knowing what God is actually doing for you. And we also, also encourage people that when it comes to taking the Lord's Supper, do so with a repentant heart. If you are impenitent of your sins, I would not want to give you communion because you would be taking it to your judgment and God's anger instead of salvation as God intended it to be. You are receiving the forgiveness of sins, and since you're receiving it, then come with a repentant heart that yearns for that forgiveness but believes in that forgiveness that Jesus won and that you receive in the Lord's Supper. And finally, because it is a confession of being one, we always encourage people to first be instructed so that when they join us in taking the Lord's Supper, they do so. Also joining in that public testimony that I am one with these fellow brothers and sisters in Christ around everything that Christ has taught us. So when you think of the Lord's Supper, think of the cross. The pole, that vertical pole, that represents the communion that we have with Jesus because we partake of his very body and blood. But also think of that cross beam, that horizontal cross beam that reminds us that we are united together in Christ Jesus, who is the head. That, my friends, is the Lord's Supper. That, my friends, is what God clearly teaches in his holy word concerning the Lord's Supper, which we take to heart, because this is what God says. We believe it. And any other way of practicing the Lord's Supper is not the Lord's Supper. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.